Hi. I'm Grace. And I am Madeline. And we're Dragon Babies. <laughs> we reread our favorite YA fantasy classics and discuss why they're maybe even better for adults. Yeah. This week, we're doing something super special, hotly anticipated. Fresh off the presses is Tempests and Slaughter, a.k.a. Tamara Pierce's New newest book. book. Yeah. So we're this super is, excited about We're this. so excited. This is the first book we've covered that has been published in the last 15 years, yeah. <laughs> um, much less this year. Uh, we typically cover classics from the 80s, 90s, early aughts um, that were really formative to us during mm. our adolescent and childhood years. Um, so if you're interested in our typical format, if you're a new listener, welcome. We have three other episodes about Tamara Pierce books. Um, this is our fourth Tamara <laughs> Pierce, Pierce, Pierce episode. Yeah, she's still the record holder. Yep. Uh, most books covered. Yeah. <laughs> um, we covered the whole the holy trinity the pierce holy trinity the tammy trinity <laughs> tam trin um and have uh, an episode about alana the first adventure one about emperor mage to cover the immortals dane's books and first test the first book about kel protector of the small from our series um and now we're delving into something completely different with a work about the early years of one Aram Draper. Yeah. Um, and we're pumped. So please join us. Yeah, yeah. We're going to start with our usual format, doing a little cover and marketing breakdown, taking a look at the book itself, at the edition that we have, which for our first time ever is, I think, the only edition <laughs> of the book. Yeah. Um, we have a gorgeous gold dripping sunbird feather. It's really beautiful. Um, I absolutely love this cover. <laughs> it just glimmers and glints in the light. The text for Tempest and Slaughter is also set in it's gold. It's really cool text, and it's reflective. Too. Um, I love I like seeing Tamara Pierce's name and the, so the font size it she yeah. deserves at the <laughs> top of the cover. And since we have been, you know, reading our old editions of Tamara Pierce books from like the late 90s, early 2000s, we haven't really had a book that conveys the majesty of what her legacy has become yeah. and what her works have become. Because they were... Um, pretty old paperbacks, and I love them. Yeah, and they're I the mass market the paperbacks, the yeah. ones that we have too. So they um, definitely don't have uh, gold text. Yes, definitely not. Although everyone on them who has magic is glowing. <laughs> of course, they have to have their halos, um, their gift or wild magic halos. Yeah, so it's really fun to see one of her books get the contemporary YA treatment mm -hmm. um, in terms of the. Hardcover, um, like I said, the gold text, the feather, the dripping gold, um, even the name Tempest and Slaughter. It's pretty cool. It it's feels cool. very 2018, and I'm I'm into that. And I feel like this is going to actually, hopefully, bring in a whole new Tamara Pierce audience, although we'll talk more about that in a bit because I do think there's a bit of a learning curve if you're coming into this book and you haven't read any of her other books mm -hmm. before. Yeah. Yeah. There's a quote on the cover from, I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing this, I haven't read her book, Sarah J. Maas, Maas um, who I know from Bookstagram is currently like the most popular YA fantasy author, um, saying, Tamara Pierce is a pillar, an icon, and an inspiration. 
which you better believe is a sentiment we endorse over here at Dragon Babies. Agree, Sarah J. Maas. Agree. And there's a quote on the back from Garth Nix. Our very first episode we ever did is Sabriel by Garth Nix. So check that out if you haven't heard it. The um, quality is really bad, but our (laughs) excitement rings true. But also, if you love Tamara Pierce books and haven't read uh, Garth Nix's Sabriel books, then you'll love those. Okay, back of the book. Aram, awkward and shy, his powerful gift is impossible to ignore. Varice, smart and kind, her kitchen witch talents should not be underestimated. Ozorn, forceful and determined, this imperial prince is hungry for revenge. Three student mages, bound by fate, fated for danger. I like this. I appreciate that we're entering the book with the framing of this is about three friends it's about their academic experience mm-hmm. um and to anyone who is a pierce fan those three names are very exciting um and right away i think ozorn is the one that is the most intriguing because the ozorn in this book is um so different from his adult self that we experience in the immortals series he's um, near comic i mean he he's very evil and he's he so <laughs> so just yeah he's been totally evil. consumed by all of his, his worst traits darkest urges and traits yeah. yeah totally and we see so many hints of them throughout yeah. this book mm-hmm. so um definitely a lot of groundwork laying but uh yeah, uh, I, I like this summary. I, I love everything about the way this book is packaged. Big fan. Um, I really hope that it does entice new readers, new Pierce fans. Well, to I was just saying, um, uh, I was so excited to talk about this book before we even started recording that if I were a tween and saw this book in a bookstore, I would just be like, yes, yes, I'm oh buying gosh. this book. Yeah. I must read this book. Look at how cool this looks. <laughs> and as a fan of you know, Wizarding Academy, Magic Academy series. Um, I think it gives you just enough of that feeling of like, okay, we're going in early. We're going to witness them in school, getting yeah. into hijinks. But there's also these really heavy hints of how important they'll become in mm-hmm. the future. Yeah. Um, so I, I will just read Garth Nix's quote quickly because it's so Go good for too. It. Tamara Pierce's writing is like water from the swiftest, most refreshingly clear, invigorating, and revitalizing river. I return to her books time and time again. Yeah, Garth Nix is joining the Dragon Baby's cause. He's just like us. He rereads Tamara Pierce's books forever. For the rest of your life. And (laughs) yeah, we were just discussing that like dangerous loop we're in now because we just reread Emperor Mage for our episode. I think October was when it came out. Um, And I also then reread the Realms of the Gods. Um, And now that we read this, we feel like we need to go back and reread the entire Immortals. I'm actually, since Um, finishing this book yesterday, I'm already a third into Wild Magic, the first book of the and then I want to reread all the Protector of the Small Books um, yeah, because yeah. Dana Numera also in That's those. like the chronological order. Um, yeah. Uh, so whatever. I have no problem with any of this. Um, but with when rereading people, the books. <laughs> when people ask me what I'm reading sometimes, <laughs> I'm like, oh, yep, still Tamara Pierce. Um, and yes, I'm 30 years old. So <laughs> calm down. Um, but really quickly before we before Madeline gives us a wonderful plot summary um i prepare anything (laughs) (laughs) i didn't know there'd be a speech (laughs) 
Um, there is, it is very emotional for me to read this book today and think about my, um, my own awkward young self, you know, comparable to um, Aram Numer in Dane's books is the age that I am now. So making that switch, going from being a, you know, 13-year-old reading about Numer to being a 30-year-old reading about Aram. That's a um, little boy, yeah. Or, you know, a super magical teenager. Super magical. Yeah. A child of some super kind. Super wise. Yeah. <laughs> Touched by the gods. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it makes me feel very, I mean, it's poignant. Um, I am really, really excited that... Tammy gifted us with this because this is the kind of thing that if you had told me you know, when I was 13, like, okay, so in 17 years, a book will come out <laughs> it's, uh, giving New Mare the, you know, Dane and Alana and Kel treatment. Mm-hmm. And I just yeah. feel like I'll be dead by then. <laughs> Grace was a very positive and hopeful young child. Not in any kind of, you know real way but just that feeling of like okay 17 years whatever yeah you might as well tell me in a thousand years no I know what you mean so this little ramble all of which is to say I was very excited about this book and it did not let me down not at all and I like going in reverse and witnessing uh, Numer's genesis in Aram I should say the the plot before I spiral off into any of the yeah. million things that I want to Let's talk about. Little, uh, just for anyone who's new, um, all our episodes fully spoil the books. We do discuss plot points in detail. So if you haven't finished Tempests and Slaughter yet, go finish it. The book starts out with Aram in the arena, which is basically the Coliseum, uh, with his father and grandfather, grandfather uh, watching... The horrifying games, because they're horrifying to Aram. Uh, he meets one of the gladiators, becomes good friends with him, and an elephant, Uwa. And Musenda, the gladiator. <laughs> the gladiator's name is Musenda. The elephant's name is Uwa. Clearly someone made more of an impact <laughs> on me. I was really excited about Uwa. Um, also, just a little place setting. They're in Karthak. They're visiting from Tira, which is where... Numer is from uh, Aram. Sorry, it's yeah, gonna we're going to call him Numer. But, but Aram, no, it should be Aram because he's a different person. Right, I know, but it, slip ups will okay, happen, okay. and that is acceptable. Grace, <gasps> we're, we're all human in here, except I think my cat is hiding. <laughs> he's not human. I hope not. And the book follows Aram's uh, schooling. It kind of reminded me a little bit of a Harry Potter book in that way. Uh, the way it was following, obviously, books did that before Harry Potter, but that was. You know, since I've read a lot of Harry Potter books and it, each one is kind of a certain amount of schooling. But this one follows more than one year. I think it's like three or four years by the end. Because um, when Aram comes in, he's only 11 and he tells everyone yeah. he's 12. <laughs> yeah, because he's so small. Yeah. Not for long. Yeah, no, then he starts growing like crazy. But he uh, is really, really awkward and really picked on. His gift is super, super strong. Uh, he does a crazy thing in class that freaks everyone out, like, because he couldn't control the power of his gift. Uh, and then uh, from then on, basically, the masters realize how talented he is. He becomes very, very good friends with uh, Prince Ozorn, who started out as, I think, seventh in line to the throne. But during the events of this book becomes... The Forgotten Prince, The Forgotten Prince, Mm -hmm. that's what people call him. But during the events of this book, he becomes the second in line to the throne. Yikes! Which is a big jump. 
Yeah. Uh, Doesn't set a good precedent for what's to come. Yeah. And uh, Varese, who is a really cool female character uh, who kind of uses her magic for more traditionally female things, but there's... But she's also very talented. Yeah, she's she's in the same classes as Ozorn and Aram. They basically uh, have uh, a custom... Um, they're kind of Correct. like they have custom curriculums and, yeah, yeah, yeah. that the masters set up mm-hmm. for them. In, independent study. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this book just follows them through a number of years. Tristan is in it too. And every time Tristan Ooh. does something annoying, I just thought like it was really enjoyable to just think smugly. You're yeah. going to get turned into a tree someday. <laughs> <laughs> a sour tree. Yeah. Sour apples. <laughs> um, and uh, Aram... Uh, kind of begins to uncover evidence of some very serious plotting involving the deaths of one of his teachers, uh, one of his former, uh, one of the heirs to the throne, uh, and he becomes very close with his professors as well, um, including Master Lindhall, Lindhall, who is uh, in the Immortals series. An important character in Emperor Mage. Yeah, and he also becomes... Uh, Numer is extremely progressive, uh, which is why he fits so well into the Tortal that um, Jonathan, Alana, and Thayet create mm-hmm. uh, because it's an extremely progressive place. And you can really see in this book how his views about slavery, and especially slavery, um, yeah. about how horrified he is by it. And he kind of oscillates back and forth from thinking he can ignore it to you kind of see the beginnings of, like, how do I change it? Yep. And he tries to talk to Ozorn about it, but Ozorn is obviously incredibly disinterested by the thought of doing anything to help the slaves. And then at the end of the book, I mean, since this is more of a character-driven story, it's kind of hard to say, like, what exactly is the Mm -hmm. climax, but uh at the final chapters of the book, Aram goes to the arena to be a healer. And that's kind of his full-time job for that time. Uh, and the book ends after he has seen a lot of his friends who are gladiators uh, killed or dying on his table. Um, there's also a tiger that gets killed. I was really sad about that. Um, who uh, And then that kind of really negatively affects another slave that he was friends with. But anyways, that this is all just to say that it's it's really personally hammering it home to him that this is an unacceptable practice. Uh, and then at the very end of the book, there is a kidnapping, att- a pretty poorly planned kidnapping attempt. Yeah. Uh, it's foiled pretty fast. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, and it like the, the gladiator who did it wasn't a sympathetic character at all. Although Aram did try to give him the benefit of the doubt by thinking of him as, you know, a person. And it's a good, right, it's a good opportunity for Aram to say to himself, I shouldn't have treated him like a thief immediately when mm-hmm. he came in. Yeah. Um, just because he's a slave. Yeah, no, That's there's the like exact a lesson. same problem that everyone else is having. Yeah. Yeah. There was a little lesson about implicit bias yep. right there. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, good job, young Aram. Uh, and... Uh, Ozorn gets pulled into the kidnapping attempt because Ozorn shows up in the arena who, and he's now supposed to have guards in tow and everything because he's second in line to yeah. the throne. Uh, but yeah, the gladiator almost does terrible things to him. But then 
a lot of teacher mages were around the masters and they put everyone to sleep. Well, Aram pulls water from the deepest recesses of the earth. Yes, this is also true, but there's also lots of snoozing. <laughs> I'll leave it to you which one is more impressive. <laughs> Some people like that flashy water magic. I just like watching people fall asleep. It's great. Sleep is amazing. It's a beautiful thing. Um, but yeah, he, yes. he shows his true power. Oh, and something else really interesting that so much happens in this book uh, is that Aram becomes friends with a god, uh, the crocodile god, Enzi, of the river. The river Zikoi. Uh Yes. And uh, that is also helpful because it... it goes a lot towards kind of pulling wild magic and hints of wild magic into the story, uh, which is very important sort of for setting up the Immortal series. And Enzi also, for reasons we're not very clear on, gives Aram a bird that is technically belongs to the great god Mithros and just kind of says, like, here, you take care of this. So Aram gets an animal companion, the yep. one that we all knew was coming, yep. if we are familiar with. And that's when he truly enters the canon yes. of Tortal and Heroes as kids. Yeah. Yep. He, he names the bird Preet, and she is a sunbird, but she looks like a blackbird. Yeah. Uh, and she's, and only she's red. Master mages can, can see tell. her. Yeah. True but not Chioke, okay, because Chioke okay is a jerk. Because <laughs> Chioke okay sucks. <laughs> and that's the end of the plot. Oh, and I, again, the thing about Chioke, whenever Chioke was a jerk, I just remembered how, like, I, I couldn't help but think of the the um, blackened bones of the oh dinosaurs God, that would surround his, like, melted charred body <sighs> when, he, when he dies a few decades later. It was just like, yeah, I'm going to get yours, Chioke. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we'll end it on a note of... <laughs> vengeful fury <laughs> come up and that's what it is i mean obviously this is one of the biggest most interesting things that the book undertakes is that in the immortal series um ozorn is in two books varice is in one um i hated varice in the immortals books because it she, she's in the third book and by then i was completely uh, standing Dane and Numer, yeah. and I was just like, who's this lady? Well, and Ver- blonde lady with a good body, like, get out of here. <laughs> and Varese hate is like pretty universal among yeah. the fan base. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like um, Tamara Pierce's, uh, you know, a lot of this book's mission was to be like, um, see, she's actually a super awesome character. Yeah, she's a really cool character. I really enjoy that she's so nuanced and interesting and it doesn't feel both with her and Ozorn it doesn't feel separate from what they have become by the time the immortals comes I believe it I believe that they are the younger versions of Mm -hmm. these people before many many different things turn them into who they would become yeah and if you'd like to hear our pre-Tempest and Slaughter Varese thoughts check out our Emperor Mage episode I also love that there is clearly um, we we have a friendship developed between the three of them that actually explains how it could be possible that Ozorn could um, sentence Numer to 
imprisonment for treason. Mm -hmm. Um, Like what I'm trying to say is the feelings are so strong that it makes sense that that love can turn to such hatred for sure. um, And anger. And I feel like there are so many different little threads that start to suggest maybe what's going to happen and what Aram's going to do. I think one big thread is Musenda. Um, because who becomes becomes Sarge? Yeah, he um, becomes Sarge, and he takes over the Queen's the, riders. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, as soon as he popped up, when I started reading Wild Magic right after I finished this book, I was like, Sarge, that's Lucinda. But it's so horrible to go back and be like, Hey, he's a slave. He's now a you slave. have to witness that for five hundred pages. Yeah. Um, yeah. This book is like frequently hard to read, yeah. um, but. God, I'm so excited that Tamara Pierce wrote a book about slavery, yeah. about how absurd and horrific this type of society is. Mm-hmm. And the point you mentioned in the summary was really great that Aram goes from trying to avoid it and hide from it mm-hmm. to recognizing I need to ch- change this. Mm-hmm. And yeah. if I if I don't, I can't and respect myself. Correct me if I'm wrong, if I'm just imagining this or if it was an offhand comment in Emperor Mage, didn't the thing that Numer did to get imprisoned and then have to escape and hide, didn't he try to lead a slave revolt? I think so. I mean, I, it's really... It's foggy for me. Really so it's like offhand mentioned. Hinted at, and I think... I think it probably has to do with Musenda uh, being exactly. escaping to Tortal. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's what that's why I mentioned that as one of the threads mm-hmm. I think that might happen. Yeah. Um, I also he's clearly um, going to continue investigating what happened to Fozzie, yeah. his teacher who is murdered um, and whose body is dumped in the river after the mysterious storm um, destroys. Prince Stillwatt, is that how it's pronounced? I think so. Uh, Stillwatt, sorry about the pronunciation's fleet. I think that's it, yeah. Um, the uh, uh, successor to the throne. Um, I think Chioke did it. It's, I mean... And I don't think I, I don't think Ozorn like told him to. I think Chioke did it kind of on his own. This is, I mean, as this already going into like conspiracy theories before we've even <laughs> talked about the meat of the book, but that's what you're gonna get from this episode. <laughs> um I'm starting to feel like Chioke is a little bit of a red herring for some of what's going on mm. because Tamara Pierce usually doesn't have obvious villains, especially at true. the beginning. What about Jonathan's uncle? Yeah. That was her very first Roger. book, though, wasn't it? Yeah, it, that was her first book. You can, I mean... Who literally, I like, talk glitters with more, evil. But, oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk about this more, but her writing has developed so, so much and so, so much. incredible yeah. to read some I mean, that brand was decades new that ago that out. her first book came out. And this book is also much more complex in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. not just with its narrative structure, but in terms of the way that she discusses magic. Um, but it's because we're approaching is, it from an academic perspective. I so we really get is, into the nitty gritty yes. of it, which I love. It's so fun. And it, the the scary thing that often happens when you look too close at magic is it falls apart. It the, it totally falls yeah. apart because it has to come down to it's magic, guys. It's not <laughs> it's not science, right? It's it's magic. <laughs> there is some point at which you cannot understand <laughs> totally. what's happening because mm-hmm. it's it's magic. Mm-hmm. And I was so so impressed about was, how 
there's constantly an academic discussion yeah. about magic in this book and it never ever went wrong no, it was it's always masterful. perfect it's masterful it was so impressive i think it's the best kind of meaty magic discussion mm-hmm. i've ever writing read. about magic I've ever read yeah it was you know because it's really not like impressed. in like uh prestige like lord of the rings or mm-hmm. something where the magic is only it's kind of alluded to and it's all these like vague powerful forces and beings and stuff in this in this type of nitty-gritty this is really impressive especially because She's discussing different forms of magic and how they're interwoven and the different schools of thought behind each of them and how there's essentially like classism and racism about tribal magic Mm -hmm. and wild magic, you know, kind of the, they don't really discuss wild magic explicitly, but we definitely get the roots of what we learn about a lot much more in the Immortals Mm -hmm. uh, Quartet with Dane. Um, But yeah, there's a lot of like snobby elitism Mm -hmm. about certain kinds of magic and even slurs about those types yeah. of magic and about the tribes who practice it and yeah. who um discuss it and you know talk about it as an important force mm-hmm. um it's so cool that something like the lightning snakes yeah. who oh love the lightning snakes yeah <laughs> um is honestly one of the most important plot elements in the book mm-hmm. the lightning snakes but they're dismissed as um essentially like you know folk rumors yeah. um when uh Aram starts learning about them and trying to bring them up with other teachers after Fozzie um talks about them to him mm-hmm. and yeah it's the the lightning snakes um absence from the storms that tip off Aram that there's actually something really wrong with that storm and that it is human made and I kept thinking about what a rude awakening all these people are in for when oh, the immortals wow. bust through I into the realms. <laughs> so many snobby mamas of like, oh, immortals, oh, whatever. Yeah. Gods. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, like, it's hard for me to not swear right now because it's so emotional, but <laughs> things are about to get messy. Put it that way. Okay, so to kind of sum up what we're saying a little bit, I feel like there are a few significant themes running through this book. Um, The first is, okay, it's time for slavery to be abolished in this society. Mm -hmm. But we know that it's still going to be happening decades later. For quite some time. But after that, it it will be ending when Kadar takes the throne. Mm -hmm. Um, And I love seeing little Ozorn and comparing him to little Kadar to his... um, his heir to his throne um, Mm -hmm. once Ozorn is emperor um, and seeing the similarities and seeing how Ozorn could have grown up so differently. I also love that this book ends with Ozorn still, you know, essentially probably a good dude. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I thought that there would be some kind of event that started to create a rift between Aram and Ozorn by the end of this book, but they are only stronger than ever because Arm has just saved Ozorin's life. But at, I think at the you're, end of the book. you're totally spot on with what you said earlier, that it's because there's such deep love between mm-hmm. them that there could be such deep hatred. I also feel like there's kind of a love triangle between Ozorn, 
Varese and Aram, not between Ozorn and Varese, but like between Ozorn and Aram a little bit. Mm. Um, and not, and I don't necessarily mean romantic love, but I feel like just because their relationships, are, I feel I like know when mean, Aram yeah. and Varese actually start a relationship, which has just happened at, at the, the end, end of, of this book, book yeah. and is for sure going to be a big focus of the next one, I would mm-hmm. say, yeah. um, that's going to make Ozorn jealous. Right. Because well, yeah, no, that's a good point. He relies on them for absolutely yeah. everything, and he needs the three of them to be this unit of like kind of equal love between each of them so yeah. badly and I think he's going to feel like an outsider yeah and if both Varese and Aram are giving mm. him less attention yeah then yeah and he is I mean Ozorn even in his good moments is a very sensitive very very angry person he's um, mercurial and uh, I mean, throw on top of that a healthy helping of racism, um, and you've got a really, really dangerous figure mm-hmm. uh, because he has access to a lot of power, even just as the, even when he was the seventh in line yeah. to the throne. No, for sure. Um, but the scene of him beating the peddler who accidentally falls into yes. him when mm-hmm. they're in the market yeah. um, is like one of the most upsetting moments in the book. And he is furious at Aram for stopping him from continuing to beat a man who had no ill intent against him. Mm-hmm. And then Ozorn frames it to his mother as, oh, you know, he was a Sirajit and he had designs on me. Mm-hmm. Is that how Sirajit? Yes. Oh, oh Sirajit. Sirajit. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's really fascinating to follow all of that back to its different sources and also see how Chioke is instilling these ideas of superiority mm-hmm. and of the need for war and yeah. total dominion over the lands surrounding Karthak mm-hmm. in Ozorn from a young age and you you can see how he becomes who he is but then there's all of those moments like him loving animals so much and thinking about Lindhal you know working for him yeah. when he's emperor yeah. um and keeping his incredible menagerie. Um, and it's, uh, it's really, it really creates a more complicated figure in, um, Emperor Mage too. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so I, I was into it. Yeah. And the conspiracy it, theory. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. <laughs> well, what I was going to say, just Oh, we will bit. get back to the conspiracy theories. So yeah. Don't worry. Um, earlier, it's just that it was funny because while Ozorn and Varese are created into these super nuanced and interesting mm. characters and understandable characters, GOK is still just a jerk. <laughs> oh my gosh, I know. <laughs> I don't think we have a single redeeming moment for him, oh gosh, even other when than he's like, when he's just doing like courtly things. Because right, he's but even then, in, it's like annoying in the, Sarah, in the funeral fake. for Fozzie and stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. but um, I okay, I feel kind of weird about. Okay, I keep messing up his pronunciation. Is it Ramasu? Yeah, Ramasu. I feel a little weird about Ramasu because of Mm. how the book ended and the fact that he wasn't, he was missing during the weird uh, like rebellion slash kidnapping moment. And then he told Aram how he got, how they got the swords, but then that was never like backed up by anyone else. Um, I don't know. There would, Mm. I really like his character a lot. Yeah. Um, 
And he's also just an amazing character because he's an openly gay man. Yeah, living there's in nothing said about it, Karthag. and that is really and, cool. Uh, um, or sorry, Aram um, recognizes that his husband's bringing them lunch, and is like, "Oh, cool, he's got a husband." Mm-hmm. And then the book just carries on, and like, mm-hmm. thank you. Yeah, I mean, all he thinks really is like he's surprised that he's married. Period. Right. Exactly. Because mages don't usually get married. Yeah, and yeah. you know, Ramasu says at one point too, like, "Okay, scurry off. Like, we're about to go on this long trip, and I need to go spend some time with my man." And mm-hmm. I was like, "Yeah, you yeah, do. And that must be cool. really stressful." Yeah, <laughs> when you're like one of the most powerful healers in the region. Yeah. But that, that, you know, fundamentally also means like he's probably not really up to anything. He's a healer. Like he it's wants probably, to help people. Yeah. But that brings up another weird point is that Aram is a healer and Numer isn't a healer. Mm-hmm. And I'm really curious about what's going to happen to his healing powers. Um, well, but Numer can heal. Well, I wonder if it has to do with his gift being so great that he can't do small magics and small tasks um like even in the Immortals series he still doesn't have full control you know what i'm saying like there are you know there are moments when like instead of blowing out candles he um or i'm sorry he has to blow out candles instead of like extinguishing them with his gift because he would just he says he would just blow up the candles um and he still has problems with like when, I can't remember exactly when this happens, but he needs like a rock and he pulls it from like 10 miles away because he can't focus on something that's like right next to him because it's just his power. Oh, is too great. It's too great. Okay. Um, and he's still just human. Yeah. So I wonder if um, as his training continues, because we know he becomes a black robe mage, mm-hmm. like he's, yeah. you know, he is going to achieve his mastery. Yeah. Um, if he, yeah, he focuses on other things instead because he's not. And I wonder if it's because of Ozorn. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm really curious. Yeah. I I mean, so we can I don't want to talk about this too much because it's What not, do they what do they they always just refer to him cuz like I told you I started Wild Magic. They always just refer to him as one of the most powerful or like the most powerful mage in Tortal, mm-hmm. one of the most powerful mages in the world. Like they don't they don't call him like a battle mage or a fire mage or a healing mage. Yeah. Or he's ju- he just kind of seems he's like a, he's they beyond call him that. A, a black robe yeah. mage. Which is that, um, is that how the masters typically No, are? there are only seven black robe mages. Oh, got it. Um, and uh, Right, I like the, the book that he uh, is reading at the very beginning. <laughs> very yeah. beginning. Um, yeah, and like... I think it's really interesting to see throughout this book too. And this is where it reminded me of Harry Potter a lot, um, where you see the areas where the student does have um, a special skill or talent for something. And, you know, it makes me think of like the sorting hat being like, you could be a great Slytherin. Right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, Aram is a much more talented student than Harry. (laughs) No, it's I mean, totally it's so thing, much more capable. It Harry's not me, a good student. It kept making me think of the fact that like these the wizards in this book work so dang hard. And in Harry Potter, Harry and Rod are terrible students. Hermione, will you do my they scroll? They don't care. <laughs> Versus this book no. is like all about how hard you have to work to discipline your magic. Well, and the really cool thing about their school and their courses of study that, um, especially that Aram is set, um, is that it's almost purely practical. Mm. They're not just doing tasks for the sake of learning it. Right. I mean, Sibo in particular, her um, 
you know, the trips that she takes yeah, Saruman and just what walking. they do during their classes. Yeah. They're cleaning the river mm-hmm. um, and uh, helping just ensure that everything there is working right. properly. They don't really use like frou-frou magic. Yeah. And that's also part of Except effort. for juggling in some ways. Uh, yeah. But that is a non-magical thing right. that he needs yeah. to do and in that's, order to focus. Mm-hmm. And it's a big part of the story in Emperor Mage that... Um, Ozorn has gone so far astray because he's using magic for really frivolous things mm-hmm. instead of using it for practical purposes as yeah. it should be used because it, magic is very finite yeah. in this universe. Yeah. People, it gets used up. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, I'm just thinking. Grace just got well, I just far, far eyed. <laughs> what I was going to say a moment ago. Um, is that, you know, I don't want to talk about like the criticism of this book too much because we don't feel that way. So I don't mm-hmm. think it's super um, productive for us to try to engage with, a, you know, a, an approach that we just didn't, a reaction we didn't have. Right. Because we um, don't want to, <clears throat> I mean, I don't want to de- delegitimize anyone's feelings. So if, yeah, you know, of obviously, course. if you, we if, really want to hear from you too. Yeah. <clears throat> Whether you're a regular listener of ours or not, because we've heard from a lot of regular listeners who have found us because of our other Tammy episodes mm-hmm. and have asked about Tempest and Slaughter and mentioned that they were reading Tempest and Slaughter. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, shout out to all of you. <laughs> I can't even name you because there's so many and you're all so <laughs> wonderful. But please, we love your emails yeah. and tweets so much. They please make our days. Yeah. Um, and any of you can email us at dragonbabiespodcast at gmail.com. Um, is that uh, a lot of people felt that this book didn't have enough happen in it. Um, and I think that is a unique challenge of an academic book, you know, a book that's about magical schooling of some Mm -hmm. kind. Um, You need to spend a lot of time in the classroom or in the field, in the river, (laughs) wherever (laughs) it is that they're learning, they're learning to hone their skills in their (laughs) weird room off of the like animal hospital. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I, I also, speaking of the animal hospital, I wish there had been more Lindhall in this book. And I bet he is more. He's in the next one I'm quite sure, a bit more. Yeah. yeah, because obviously he's an important character. This um, this was pretty much the only thing about the audiobook that I didn't like. Yeah. The um the reader gave Lindhall an old man voice. They made him talk like this. Wow. I mean he can't be a I thought I mean at this point he should <laughs> be like, like a young uh, you yeah. know, rambunctious. He's because he's like thirty right now, right? Basically, yeah. Maybe, I mean, yeah. I think he's around that age. Yeah, because so that's he's why he's not he's not like old, old no. even in Emperor. Mage. Yeah, exactly. And he is definitely on the like quieter, more sedate side. But um, no, they they made him sound like <gasps> that's really funny. It's uh, like they made him sound crotchety, which is. <laughs> I don't know. Do you do you envision a crotchety Lindell? Let us know. I never did. Yeah, I, um, I am, imagine it was like an absent-minded professor type, yeah, but definitely totally. not um, totally like infirm. Yeah, no, I think he's very scattered because yeah. he has so much that he's always concentrating on. But yeah, that doesn't mean that he's old, elderly. Not there's anything wrong with being older, elderly. Like Cosmos and Sivo, uh, those voices were fantastic, and those are some of the oldest characters in the book. I think. Yeah, I think Sibo yeah. is the oldest character. Yeah, because yeah, she gets a lot of description of her as an old woman. Yeah. Um, and yeah, she's so awesome. Yeah, I love so her so much. Really, really great. <laughs> Super rad. 
yeah, so just to finish up what I was saying about kind of the fan base's reception, I feel like what I've seen has also been sort of divided. Like on Instagram, there are a lot of people putting up pictures of the cover and saying, I haven't read Tamara Pierce before, but this new book came out and, you know, I've always wanted to try her stuff. So I figured, why not start here? I didn't like it. And I'm like, of course you didn't like it. Yeah, I, I don't think this is a good one I to start with. I would not like this book if I had no understanding of the settings, the magical system, the gods, um, the characters, uh, everything is, there's so much information in this book. Um, and I feel like it would probably read as like almost kind of dry if you didn't Mm. have that groundwork laid. Um, but for, yeah, my, for me, this, this whole book was just such a treat. I agree. I loved every moment of it. Yeah. Yeah, I was delighted by it. And I was so happy that it was so long and longer than most of Tamara Pierce's books uh, or all of her books. Yeah. No, this is definitely the longest Um, unless Trickster's uh, choice is longer. No, no. Okay. Um, and it makes me, uh, understand why the development of this book and the just publication, everything has taken so long. Um, because, I feel like what happened is Tamara Pierce decided, okay, I want to write about Numer, but about Aram. Um, and then started writing and was like, oh my God, there's so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I love that she went this far back with it and started with him yeah. so young at the very start of his schooling, which yeah. is so much more interesting to me than jumping in at the end of their time at For the sure. academy or we the literally get to academy, see him maybe. Meet. Varese and I know it which is I I love that so much yeah. um and I think it's cool to spend time with the three of them because they are in um, many different ways outsiders as students mm-hmm. um each of them has something about them that makes them not just exceptional but different to the point that they um are know ridiculed by the other students and they're not other students aren't interested in having them as friends with the exception of Varese but she works so hard to charm people and to fit in Mm -hmm. Um, and you can really tell that that is part of her personality is trying to be accepted yeah Um, and that also helps me understand why she does stay you know in Ozorn's court and run his kitchens even when he's emperor um and i'm sure there's going to be a lot that happens along the way to explain why she ends up making that choice but i see that coming because she really needs um acceptance of other people Mm -hmm. which isn't to say that she's a less strong or interesting character Mm -hmm. that's just part of who she is um and she is it really makes me furious how many times she's um you know called stupid or or, dismissed yeah disrespected dismissed Mm -hmm. by people in the book because she's pretty and because she does what she calls um kitchen witch magic Mm -hmm. um because it's what she likes. And she's really good at it. Yeah. Um, she's super talented. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I think, okay, I'm rambling. Up. <laughs> All of this is to say, if we didn't have this um, book that, you know, to some might come off as like slightly meandering or, you know, not action packed, we wouldn't get all those little moments that build up these characters and help us understand how they become these larger than life figures that they do by the time Emperor Mage rolls around. No, totally. I like, I would be super happy if all of Tamara Pierce's books had 
you know, we're twice as long and had this much extra oh, character. I know. <laughs> it's like the extended edition, like of Tamara Pierce books. Well, like, yeah. and especially you know, having reread a lot of the first adventure not too long ago, mm-hmm. the first book really goes by at a fast clip. Yeah, I mean, she covers so much of her schooling, almost mm-hmm. up to her ordeal. Yeah, in the first book, and um, it's so short. And yeah, it's it's very short. Mm-hmm. And I would have yeah, loved to have had more moments of you know, young Alan being uh, pert. <laughs> Oh, Alan, he's so pert. And let his nose get tweaked. I do honestly think of Alan as a, like a separate character. Uh, cute little Anna. Um, so then what the last thing I was going to say about the criticism, which I said I didn't want to talk about too much. And it's been like 20 minutes. Like a long time, but that's okay. But we're, we're weaving everything else in. This is one of our ramble, bamble episodes. Which... You kn- if you're a, uh, already a listener, you knew it was if you're coming. A listener, yeah, I'm sure. The more excited we are about a book, the more rambling we're going to get. The more articulate we become. Then I feel like there are f- big fans of all of Tamara Pierce's books. They've read everything. They're you know definitely a part of the fan base um, who didn't like this because they wanted, I feel like, even more out of it than what it offered. Mm. Um, and I do agree. I think this book is a build. Yeah, um, I mean, it's this, really there's a lot of table setting. Just the action rising mm-hmm. um, until I think the next book is going to be a lot. Yeah, and I mean, happening. You know, the next book's coming, so I guess I could see how it would be frustrating if you're, if you're like, wait, but what happened? Um, uh, and this was initially supposed to just be a single book, right? Um, yeah, and then what I yeah was kind of alluding to before is I feel like Tammy started writing it and was like, oh my gosh, so, so much here. here. Yeah. Okay, that, now it's going to be two books. Yeah. That was the next plan, mm-hmm. and then ultimately three books. And I, I can't remember if I said this already, but you know, the proposal for this was first mentioned back in two thousand three. So it's been a really, really long was time coming. 13. <laughs> Yeah, I was 16. Um, and sadly, during a time in my life when I wasn't really reading much Tamara Pierce. Um, but don't Not worry. anymore. I've come back around. We've come back. That was literally <laughs> the only thing I read. So <laughs> <laughs> just goes to show you. Yeah. That's how life works. Um, so I get it. You know, I, I get both of those schools of thought. I am just really, really excited for the other books. I can't wait to read them. And it's really strange because actually I wasn't, okay, not that I wasn't excited, but when I first heard about Tempest and Slaughter coming out, you know, that this project had really come to fruition. Mm-hmm. It was being released yeah. because there were a lot of kind of teases and Halfway pieces of news. Yeah. About this, the, it was going to be different names and yeah, different, different things going on. Um, I was like, oh, that's cool. I don't know if I'll read it. I really like my picture of Numair. It's hard for me to think about him young before he and Dane were such a unit, yeah. not just romantically, but them working together. No, they're, they're a team. Um, yeah. And I did at the start of the book. I even texted Grace. So it was just saying, I'm having a really hard time because I just hate Varese mm. and I'm upset that... Arm exists without Dane, basically. Totally. Um, but, you know, just a few more chapters in, I was already totally down with this book. It's just a different... People change. And... <laughs> like That's literally what this book is about. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> that I That should actually, be what the back of the book says. <laughs> yes. Hey, have you read The Immortals? Well, people change. 
best friend now. I really want like passive. Dictator in the future. <laughs> I really want like passive aggressive book jackets. <laughs> just mean to people. Uh, you know? um, but <sighs> yeah. Yeah. And I really enjoy just getting to know how Numair became Numair more. And I'm really excited. How Aram became Numair. Yes, sorry, Marlene. My goodness, uh, and I'm really excited advice. to. I'm just ignore you now. Learn more about how it all came to be. And the ending of this book is chilling. When yes. Ozorn says, "Okay, blah blah blah, maybe I'll be emperor, probably not, whatever." And Aram is trying to force him on the issue of slavery mm-hmm. and trying to get yeah, him to say that he'll saying, change like, something, yeah. mm-hmm. um, which. Ozer is not interested. You he's can tell. Uh, from an economical perspective, um, he says, yeah, I mean, people will lose fortunes paying people to do the work that their slaves did. Um, yeah, Ozer is not about wealth equality. Oh, my God. He's <laughs> <laughs> a man who covers himself in gold. Yeah. <laughs> Every opportunity. Yeah. And dismisses it as, oh, it's fun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and, you know, much as he he's such a hypocrite because there's so many moments when he is furious that he has guards that have to accompany him and that he's being treated like the heir to the empire but time and time again behaves kind of basks like in it a spoiled little royal yeah. brat mm-hmm. which is what he is in a lot of ways and at any moment when he's not getting exactly what he wants he makes it so yeah um so it's it's just it's a perfect example of, you know, his own privilege. Um, and he's just constantly surrounding himself with it and using it to get ahead, Mm -hmm. um, while not ever acknowledging it or, okay, this is my biggest problem with the plot of the book. Um, so I'm just going to go right into it. Done talking about criticism. Finally, talk about my criticism now. (laughs) No, we're talking about grace things. (laughs) Talk about me. It's grace's time. Aram learns in the middle of the book that, Ozorn's father was not killed while being a hero in battle. Yeah, that, that he went in to massacre a helpless tribe of people mm-hmm. um, because he was concerned. I mean, what was the initial cause? Even I can't. I can't oh remember my what gosh. his reason. Honestly, it was that happened it was so very. It was very ago. racist and it is yeah. um, paternalistic mm-hmm. and just kind of like, oh, we should wipe them out. And uh, Aram learns this through his former roommate who is with him in the, um, is it typhoid? Is that the illness? Uh, oh, yeah, it was. It was typhoid. Um, when there's a typhoid outbreak mm-hmm. and Aram is breathing life back into herbs with his gift to help the healers. And he almost um, becomes an herb. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it made me think of when he gets trapped as, as a, a hawk. In the very beginning when he first appears. Yeah, I just got through that part of the book. <laughs> I love Aram so much. And he freaks Dade out because he won't eat. He's such a good um, kind of foil to Ozorn because they're both super sensitive and emotional, but Aram channels it all into learning and growing. A force and, for good. Um, you know, trying to treat everyone and everything with as much respect yeah. as possible because he's so empathetic. He truly feels mm-hmm. everyone's pain. Yeah. 
And Ozorn takes it as um, an opportunity to strike down anyone who offends him in even the slightest way. And honestly, it's just, it's like total introspection and a total lack of introspection. Yes. Yeah. Um, But I see why the two of them become close friends. Yeah. And Ozorn even says it when he's having clear headed moments that like, oh, I would get into so much trouble without you or would I be without you? Um, I also did think a few different type kind. I also did think at a few different times in the book, uh, understanding more and more why once he becomes new mayor, he was so ready to be a Dane's teacher mm-hmm. and then to fall in love with her. Yeah. It totally, I mean, it all Dane already, really follows his path in a lot of ways. Yeah. And well, of course he would be so just into her in every sense in every meaning mm-hmm. you could take that because of who she is and yeah. who he is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I know. I, I also think it lends their love story in mm-hmm. greater depth. Yeah. Um, and also because mages are very like free love. I know. <laughs> I know. There's so many casual dating yeah, things it's, it's and like hookups so, and yeah. stuff mentioned And in it's this kind book. of a given that mages don't really marry. So right. that makes him, it makes sense. His and Dane's yeah, relationship totally all the sense. more special. Yeah. I know. Um, uh, wait, I want to finish what I was saying about that plot point, And then I want to talk more about a male protagonist. Okay. Um, but was, is there a first male protagonist? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I'm so glad that it was Aram. I'm so Who else glad. could it be? Yeah. Who else could it be? Um, Aram learns that Ozern's father was, was not killed a hero in battle, but that he was doing something pretty horrific. Yeah, he was and poisoned he was, by a, a young girl. He was poisoned by a girl whose, um, tribe he had just slaughtered. Massacred. Um, like raped, tortured, killed. Mm. Horrible. Um, and then she killed herself immediately then, after yeah, because she knew she that herself. they would do terrible things to her. And... Aram learns this and takes it in, but never mentions it to anyone again. Right? I don't think You're he right. ever it, says it, it doesn't to come up again. And I kind of forgot about it. I thought at that moment, oh, this is the turning point. This is when he and Ozorn, their friendship changes because how can Aram um, cope with this? But I also get that this is. You know, okay, he heard this from his former roommate while he's like part herb. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> working I mean, in a, a really, really upsetting um, typhoid outbreak. Like he's surrounded by death and illness. He's really like focusing on so many other things. Um, and, and also, I mean, if you had. He doesn't know what to do with the information. Right, yeah. yeah. And he's a kid. If you had a friend like Ozorn and you were Who's yeah, terrifying. a kid. And you knew how important this was to their entire being. And then you found out that it wasn't really true at all. You wouldn't even think about whether or not to tell them. Because his father's murder shaped Ozorn's entire worldview. Which, to be fair, is like racist and not based in... um, Reality. Yeah. Actual reality anyway. Uh, So it's like, well, what? how is it that going Mm -hmm. to change anything? And there's no way Ozorn would listen to Aram about this. And I actually really see it coming out, yes, at some sort of pivotal fight. It will be addressed, right? Because that's my issue is if it's not addressed. Of course. No, I think it's definitely going to be addressed. Oh, it's a rumor. Who knows? No, no, no. I think that... Because I think that's what actually happened. 
Yeah, no, that makes sense. And it's, um, it's such a good example of the Victor writing history mm-hmm. um, yeah. and of, uh, yeah, just these different narratives about what might have actually happened in a specific battle. I can totally see um, them having a fight, Aram defending someone, and then uh, Ozorn coming in with, uh, they're beasts, they murdered my father, like racist yeah. narrative, and then... Uh, Arm kind of losing his control and telling him the truth. Yeah. 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 Me too. So probably a temporary problem really, but I thought it was weird that that wasn't more of a a focus of Arm's thoughts moving forward. I mean, he had a lot to think about, but for sure. And and shortly after that, he has to deal with like Fozzie's murder and stuff. So yeah. I bet I bet it will come up with another book, and mm-hmm. Tamara Pierce, you know, especially since you say originally it's supposed to be in one book, mm-hmm. so I bet that's one kind of one of those things yeah. that got left in this book, mm-hmm. but is yeah. going to be very important in a following one. Totally. Yeah. So interested to read those books. more Tamara Pierce books. Um, so excited and doing a you know, dance. Following up another thread I didn't finish earlier. I'm so sorry about how disorganized this episode is. That's great. Run I again. just want to thank everyone who did write in, um, saying that they were reading Tempest and Slaughter, so they were looking back at Tamara Pierce's books and found us yeah. um, because that motivated us to be like, okay, yeah, we af- we have to check out this book. Like, I'm it's so gonna glad be worth that it. I, read it. I'm I was, so glad yeah, I came it. close to being like, ugh, every new piece of information I learn about a character I love, or re- you know, an adaptation of something that I cared about, it is awful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it makes me feel bad. So I don't know if I want to think about. Yeah, Arum it's, Draper. It's a, it's I just want to think about Numer. Real danger. Um, I've been burnt. The Hobbit burned me bad, guys. <laughs> The Hobbit movies, yeah. just, they they burned every every inch of me. <laughs> I yeah, I can't. I I honestly can't even talk about the Hobbit movies right now. I'm gonna get gonna get too upset. So instead, <laughs> let's move on to talking about Tamara Pierce uh, having her first real male protagonist. Yeah. Um, it was exciting. It was fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, I and I think that she's earned one. <laughs> You know, or three books <laughs> center around a man after all the incredible books about badass ladies that she's Just put out. Just so many badass ladies. Um, and it's funny seeing, because she's not going to shy away from puberty. Yeah. She didn't. She hasn't no, in any I of her other books. Too, yeah. And now we get it from a male perspective. Instead of always the female, um, yeah. A male perspective through a woman. <laughs> but Tamara Pierce said in this great interview with NPR that she really relied on her um, writing partner, Bruce Coville, who's also uh. a fantasy author. Um, we're just like talking about like okay so as someone who was a teenage boy right like what what, let's talk about erections yeah Yeah, no exactly (laughs) i mean you have to yeah have to and i I felt for arum just like i felt for uh alana and cal when they started getting their periods i felt really bad for arum when he was just like oh god oh god what's happening my body yeah no yeah. um yeah and you know that period of the book is uh it, it's funny because you know there's not as much focus paid to it i would say well because i think that getting your first period if you don't know what's going on oh my god you yeah. think you're dying oh yeah you think your body is falling out of yeah you, <laughs> you think you're dying versus an er- erection maybe the first time i don't know i've, I've not we don't was I, never a teenage boy no not a boy not. so i'm wouldn't know, but I just have to think that it's probably on the whole less horrifying. 
I, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I don't yeah, want to compare biased, the two. Very I mean, biased. Yeah, it sounds awful. Yeah, it does. It does sound <laughs> it's awful. Really it does sound awful. Really a bad bad time. Um, and I had, yeah, I I had some real bad times when I was going through puberty. So you know, as we all did. Yeah. If you had a blessed puberty that was super fun and cool, who are you? You're not listening to this <laughs> podcast. Let's <laughs> Oh, the hard truths. The yeah. hard truths. Um, and yeah, like we mentioned, it was interesting to see their, you know, mention of their dalliances. Uh, we don't really hear about Varisa's like bows. I imagine she hides it from Aram because the two of them ha- always have kind of a, an unspoken thing between the two of them. But we hear yeah. about like Ozorn's like girl yeah, at the Ozorn academy is. and girl at a tavern. Yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, Aram has a lot of different ladies that he like hooks but up I with think or courts. He's definitely a virgin though. Like, I don't think he's having sex. The one time in the book when I think he might be having sex is with that other healer. Um, when they would like go in the closet. Yeah. <laughs> when everyone it's else is asleep. To, it's a closet though. <laughs> like, I don't think okay, it's a clean podcast. <laughs> I'm not going to go too much farther. <laughs> But I just think because of the way that Tamara Pierce handles her main character's romantic mm-hmm. and sexual awakening. Yeah, she always talks about I when someone has sex. Yeah. that someone would start having sex kind of like off screen and not really talked about like that. Yeah. I, I, I think that he's probably not like, I don't know, like he sounds like he's getting around the block, but not that he's like... Okay, clean podcast. <laughs> Aram is also really concerned about um, being respectful to women. Yes, and, very true. Um, He's definitely not trying to notch his belt. No. Yeah, definitely not. And I mean, I love you know, you. what else would Aram you expect from Numer. like Lil Numer? Yeah, yeah. of course. Um, <laughs> this is someone who expresses his love today and then is like, okay, go in the other tent if you need to undress. <laughs> And gets super mad at her right away. When she's like, so you just want to have sex? And she's like, I love you. I just told you that. That's so bad. Yeah. As someone who's been on both sides of that equation, (laughs) it's really, really great. Okay. We haven't done our two um, most (laughs) consistent segments. Uh, So... Let's do pretend food. Pretend food, pretend food. Time for pretend food. I didn't do what I usually do, which is actually write, write down, down a list of all the pretend mention food. of food um, because I was just a little too excited. It's a long break, yeah. But uh, Tamara Pierce respects pretend food. We've seen this from her before. We see it from her again. Even when her characters are just stuffing rolls and butter into their mouths and then running out on their way. At least they're eating those rolls and butter. We get to hear about it. Yeah. And I want to have a few, you know, meals of note from throughout the book. Mm-hmm. Um, and because Ver- Varice, you got me doing it now. Yeah, I know. Uh, is a kitchen witch. Yeah, and cooking is very important to her. She's really amazing at it. So I know. I want to have one of her meals. What I really want is the restorative potion that she gives to the princess. Oh, yeah. It's great. Um, I want one yeah, of that. Like, uh, I could use that. Yeah, right that would be now. really great. It's, Please give it to it's us. It's been a hard couple of months. Yeah. <laughs> I also, the reason this episode is coming out so delayed, I'm sorry to all our listeners um, is like, I had to move unexpectedly yeah. in the last month to a beautiful place, but the wall yeah, is literally falling off. 
my apartment. Um, and yeah, I could use one of those potions. That's all. That's all I wanted to say. Um, those potions I, I'm, I was very intrigued by. I love the, the uh, fruit with the syrup. Oh, no, that's more a Madeline food, I think. It is, yeah. Than me. But yeah. that's, that's what's taken um, Yes, when Aram is learning about, like, more distinguished and rich royal foods. Right. Because it's that what has, he's being like, served spices in the nuance. royal box at right. the, Col- the Coliseum, at the mm-hmm. arena for the yeah. Gladiators um, games. Um, which is uh, fruit dipped in sweet syrup. Syrup that's, like, heavily spiced. I love the final meal that um, Ozorn and Aram share on the roof. Uh, oh, yeah. And they have um, some kind of, like, a bowl of cheese, it said. So I was like, okay, I like cheese, cheese that's bowl. served in a bowl <laughs> form because that means it's soft. It means it's rich. I'm into it. Um, with bread. I mean, and I'll, I'll eat Velveeta. <laughs> I'll eat cheese that is not even cheese. Like, any kind of cheese-affiliated product. Cheese-like product. Yeah. yeah. Um, or just cheese products. That's what Velveeta is technically <laughs> no, I called. I think it says cheese-affiliated product on the box. <laughs> Adjacent to cheese. <laughs> cheese and cheese. <laughs> I'm going to start all kinds of new FDA classifications. <laughs> um, yeah, they have their bowl of cheese. They have bread and they have wine that Ozarin stole from his mom. So I'm sure it's really good wine. Although we know from the start, Aram does not like drinking. Um, and Ozorn's bad at it. Yeah, and Ozorn's a which makes bad sense drinker. because he's like has all kinds of issues. So it makes sense that they would. You don't want him to lose control of his yeah. veneer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I love the full circle um, from Aram sitting alone on the roof when he yeah. has no friends and he's first the academy and he's so small oh, and he just made Aram. a huge mess in class yeah. and everyone's just like, oh, who is this kid? Um, to having. His closest friend there with him and them sharing a meal with a guard on the stairs because his friend was second in line to the throne. But mm-hmm. um, I, I also, wonder what's going to happen to the crown prince. Right, exactly. <laughs> Undoubtedly something fun. terrible. I love that when you go into a fantasy series and you know that a character is going to become the ruler, but they're like 10th in line or yeah, something. You're, you're like, like oh, this is like a final destination <laughs> movie. <laughs> Things are going to get bloody. What's going to happen to them? Um and there's so much talk of poisons in this book that mm-hmm. I feel like there's going to be, yeah. Some of that well, because they do allude to the fact in Emperor Mage. And I just in remember, any court, there's a lot of talk of poisons. Uh, for sure, yeah. for sure. But I remember um, when Ozorn is like doing the magic with the barges and the royal procession and everything. And it's just this crazy waste of power. And Kadar is openly complaining about it. Mm -hmm. And Varese is actually the one who kind of grabs him and is like, shut up. And she actually says, do you remember, do you want to end up like his last heir? Yeah. So it's kind of like just known in that book that he's, he just poisons people who he doesn't like. Totally. And I would, and he, I mean, he does slip Dane something to, he does. um, Yeah knock her out and put mm-hmm. her in a horrifying yeah. dungeon. Um, and yeah, remembering moments like that also help shape who Varese is going to become and how I, I honestly think she does stay with Ozer and stay in his court to help calm him and right. keep him no, from totally. doing I can totally the see her staying because she's so good through a sense of talking him down. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah I, I think, and I think that's going to, you know, be what like leads to her and Aram splitting up too. Yeah. I mean, obviously he's thrown in jail and uh, 
excommunicated yeah. after that point. Um, so it's not like they're going to be like a happy family together or something. But anyway, uh, the Pretend other, food. yeah, other <laughs> foods. <laughs> um, I love whenever it's mentioned that they, that breakfast is included, is served during that class. <laughs> Important. And I'm so glad. I, I love Tamara Pierce books for a million reasons. She caters she to the talks necess- about the necessities. The, necess- yeah, the necessities. The, the necessities. The necessities. <laughs> um, yeah. The things that human bodies need to do from like vomiting when you're um, seeing human bodies that have been horribly mutiflated. Mutiflated. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Horribly mutilated on the battle, mm-hmm. not like, the battlefield, even the arena yeah. in sport mm-hmm. um, and needing a waste bucket there because that's going to be happening yeah. um, to having breakfast during your early morning classes with the head of the university. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So keep that they would like provide the food because your yeah. classes were early in the morning. Yeah. And also being given um, just a refreshment of some kind during the long periods when uh, Aram is healing um, and is, you know, fainting onto the ground because he's worked so hard. And I I love that after they're healing people in the arena, they're always telling them, like, eat lots of meat. or I know, cheese, meat, and milk. uh Yeah, yeah. I appreciated that. That's like, Um, you know, you need to get your protein and your your sustenance in. You know, my therapist always says protein is brain food whenever I have, like, something I need to do that week. Shout out to my therapist. Um, there's a there's definitely a joke in Adventure Time too about brain food. Someone hands someone it. Oh, this is really entertaining right now. I'm, just, I'm killing this joke. <laughs> mumble mumble something something. So this is has been more of a conceptual pretend food <laughs> than usual, but uh, you know it's basically just kind of saying yet again to Tamara Pierce, thank you for all you've done for pretend food and continue to do. I look forward to. I want to see more of Barisa's cooking. Cooking. Yeah, I want yeah. like there wasn't enough of it for my taste, and we didn't get specifics when she would be like, "Okay, Aram, go buy ingredients and I'll right. make this dinner." Or no, like, I want some like George R. R. Martin style descriptions of her, her food. Face. Yeah, yeah. Or Tolkien-esque type. Uh, you know, 20 page yeah. uh, table setting. <laughs> Give me it. Um, yeah. So that's it for pretend food. We got to cover. This is going to be a long episode. We got to cover badass lady meter. Badass um, lady meter. My badass is Sibo. <laughs> I know. I love Sibo so much. Yeah. And we haven't talked that much about the masters because there's just there's too, so too much to discuss. Characters in this yeah. Book. yeah. And that's another reason why I was so happy about this book's length and relative lack, lackish of plot, according to some, lack-ish. because we got to spend so much time with the different masters and, each of these teachers is so interesting. Yeah. Not only are they racially diverse, they're all from completely different backgrounds, different like magical influences. Mm-hmm. They are close with different, you know, gods in uh, like Ramesses and Sibo's cases. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think Yadin ever specifically says that he has like had no, I feel like he's conversations with gods, yeah. um, but he references like tribal magic and things yeah. like that too. Um, I really liked Yudin. I hope we see more of him too. I liked Yudin too. Um, yeah. He's really interesting. He and was, I love that like stony exterior, but I then totally, moments uh, that's of uh, personality that shine through. Yeah, I totally imagine him as kind of looking like a Goron. If you're familiar with the Legend of Can't Zelda. I believe this series. is our first Zelda reference. <laughs> in this episode. <laughs> yeah, in this episode. Yeah, no, we, we Don't worry, there have been it. plenty. Yeah. Um, yeah, because totally. he was, you know, all the stuff with the rocks and all the like yeah, stoning. Especially the rocks, looking totally. like um, 
the king in Ocarina of Time. Mm-hmm. Dur- yeah, Dur- the Grand yeah. King. Durania. Durania, yeah. yeah. Um, totally, yeah. yeah. I really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but of his teachers, um, three are women, mm-hmm. Sibo, Dagani, and Fozzie. Fozzie. Yeah. Um, maybe I'm forgetting someone else. Uh, and the uh, I just really appreciate um, each of them in their own way. Um, no obviously this is Tamara and Pierce so we're not gonna get shoddy female character writing but no two of them feel you know at all similar at all. interchangeable um and Sibo is the one we spend the most time with um mm-hmm. because NZ is it Enzi or NZ because NZ is an important character in this book um mm-hmm. because he gives Preet to Aram mm-hmm. and um kicks off a lot of smaller events and I know that Mithros is gonna show up at some point yep. to take Preet back. Yep. <laughs> Something is gonna go down. Yeah. Yeah. Um I when Preet first showed up, I thought that Preet would be gone again by the end of the book. And now I realize that this is a much longer tale to unravel. Mm-hmm. Hence the feather on the cover. I mean the cover is all about Preet. Yeah, and I feel like it's also a little bit in reference to a stormwing. Because he finds the Stormwing in the riverbed, and I feel yeah, but well, Grace is like not on board with this one. Well, it does. I mean, Preet is a perfect representation of the crossover between the mortal and immortal realms, mm-hmm. which end up, you know, defining Numera's life's work. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it makes sense on a thematic level. No, for sure. Um, but it is also literally, you know, it shows. Um, the, the blackbird disguise oh, okay. um, with the gold yeah, kind of no, dripping I away underneath it. Yeah. yeah, just revealing um, who Preet really is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so Sibo really stands her own against absolutely everyone, including the crocodile god. She, um, she's, yeah. And, she's uh, totally got control when talking to him. And to go through unearthing and removing and taking back a dead body that's been um, spelled to be sunk into the bottom of the river while you have while little arthritis oh, is yeah. flaring up because yeah. there's this horrible storm coming mm-hmm. and while you have arm it's like it's like rolling all over and yeah. being like what's happening yeah um you know yeah, and doing his best that so like yeah yeah she is a boss she is in control she's mm-hmm. great um Fozzie, I love for her enthusiasm and the different um, approach to magic that, that she, she represents. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think it's important for Aram to have a younger person as well as one of his teachers, like showing him yeah. this is, you know, within your grasp, like this is attainable. Mm-hmm. Um, and someone who represents his same just total devotion to and love of learning. Mm-hmm. Um and then Dagani we don't see as much of, but she's just super cool, basically. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Dagani's <laughs> really cool. Um, and then Varice is... She has the most screen time, yeah. You know, she yeah gets the most uh, page time. Um, and uh, I am in utter awe of her because she possesses so many qualities that I do not in terms of being, like, very good at inserting yourself into fraught social situations Mm -hmm. and diffusing them. Um, And is also 
at the same time, like kind of forcing Aram and Ozorn to make other friends and uh, yeah, just like including them in these other circles of people mm-hmm. and broadening their spheres yeah. um, and uh, keeping them from, I'm sure if the two of them, if it was just the two of them, they would just be in the library at all times when yeah. they weren't in class. Yeah, like true. they are very, very invested in like just their academic learning. Yeah. Um, and if you think about it, Aram, before he becomes friends with them, spends a lot more time, like wandering on his own out, out of doors. Yeah, that's um, true. Just but his of. his teachers take him, um, you know, to the river. And but no, she definitely increases their social exposure a thousand percent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it's really important for all of them. I mean, Ozorn the most because he's going to be the the leader of an empire. Um, but you know, as we know, it doesn't. It's not a good leader. It doesn't shake out great. But uh, yeah, it's really important for Numeric too, for Aram. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, my rating, I'm going to rate Sibo and Varese separately. Varese, I rate a mountain of arena fruits with all the cinnamon syrups of the realm (laughs) poured across. And Sibo, I'm going to rate... Enzi just shutting up and listening to her yeah. and uh, taking his little crocodile friends with their slapping tails yeah. away from her home so she can have some beasts. Uh, and I rate Sibo the strength of dealing with a thousand doddering little arms. Little babies. <laughs> little, little baby new bears. Little arms. The army of arms. That's what I write. I really hope the next book is called <laughs> An Army of Arms. It fits the naming convention of so many really popular fantasy books, you know? Uh, yeah. That sounds yes. like a song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess. Okay, we are officially almost at the hour and a half mark, making this, I mean, I'll edit it down a bit, but making this our longest episode ever. So. If you're a new listener, wow, can't believe you stuck with us this long. Good job. Welcome. You get please. a gold star. You do get a gold star, a digital star. Um, please check out our other Tamara Pierce episodes. I think you'll enjoy them. And uh, yeah, stay tuned for, for more. We will continue um, discussing our favorite fantasy. We have a lot of requests coming up. Uh, yeah, which is really exciting. So we're excited about that. Um, and for our regular listeners, we love you. Thank you so much for all your support. Um, please let us know what you thought of Tempest and Slaughter. Yeah, we're really curious. Really excited to hear some other fan reactions. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, you can get in touch at dragonbabiespodcast.com. Email us at dragonbabiespodcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at dragonbabiespod and Instagram at dragonbabiespodcast. Um, and that's it. Those are all the ways you can contact us. Um, we'd also love if you appreciate the podcast, if you could drop us a quick iTunes review, aka Apple Podcasts. Um, that really helps us grow and get more visible in front of more people and then just bring more little dragon babies into the fold. Dragon babies. I'm Grace. And I'm Madeline. Until next time, goodbye.